Good morning. So good to see you here today. Thank you for tuning in and also those watching online. Glad that you've tuned in today. Last week we started a brand new series called The Names of God. Now, I want to make sure you understand something at the outset of this series. There is only one God, but He refers to Himself by different names so that we can know Him more fully. He refers to Himself by different names so that we can understand a a new aspect of His character. Each name broadens our understanding of who God is and what God is like. That's why we're studying the names of God. So we can have a broader, better, deeper understanding of who God is and what God is like. So this series is not just to teach you some Hebrew vocabulary. The purpose of this series is to help you to experience God perhaps in a more intimate way, as you understand better who He really is. So today, I want to introduce you to the very first name God reveals to us in Scripture. It is the name Elohim. I want you to say that name with me. It's on the screen there, if you can see it. The name is Elohim. That's the Hebrew name for God that we see in English in our Bibles so often. But let's say it together. This is the name of God. The first name in the Scripture of God is Elohim. One more time, please. Elohim. Open your Bibles and I'll show you where that name is found. It's found in Genesis chapter 1 in the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis is the book of beginnings. And we discover in this very first verse of the Bible the very first name for God. And the Bible says it this way. In the beginning, God, or if you're reading it in the Hebrew, it would say Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. This is God's introduction to us. This is, as the Bible opens, God introducing Himself to us. God is in essence saying, Hello, I'm Elohim. It's the only name used for God in the entire first chapter of Genesis. So everywhere, as you read through Genesis chapter 1, everywhere you see the name or the word God in Genesis chapter 1, every time you see it, it is really the Hebrew name Elohim. And in fact, this carries through into chapter 2 of Genesis for the first few verses. Go over to chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2. Let's read the first few verses. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast vast array. By the seventh day, God, or Elohim, had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all of His work. And Elohim blessed the seventh day and made it holy because... On it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, the reason I spend a few moments to read that to you is because I want you to see in the very next verse, chapter 2, verse 4, the name of God changes. And even if you don't know Hebrew, you can see that there's a difference between verse 3 and verse 4. In verse 3, he is referred to as God in English or Elohim. In verse 4, it says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God... If you're looking at that in the Hebrew Bible, it would be Yahweh Elohim. So there's a change in the name. And there are different names for God throughout the Old Testament. We'll be looking at some of those. And Lord willing, next week we'll be talking about Yahweh or Jehovah. So we'll understand a little bit better this idea of Yahweh Elohim or or Jehovah God. But today I just want you to take note of something. That in the first pages of the Bible, the very first chapter of the Bible, God identifies Himself in chapter 1. 35 times as Elohim. That is significant. 
If you were to take the time to read through Genesis chapter 1, you would see the name God in English. In Hebrew, it is Elohim 35 times in the first star, as Scripture opens up. Obviously, there is something significant about this name. In fact, Elohim is one of the most frequently used names of God in all of the Scriptures. If you're taking notes, you might want to write down that Elohim, or God as we say it, occurs 2,570 times in the Old Testament. Most of the time, when you're reading through the Old Testament, if you see just God, the name God by Himself, most of the time that is some form of the Hebrew name Elohim. So today, I want to ask and answer two very simple questions. The first question is, what does Elohim mean? And second, what does it mean for us? How does it apply to our lives? So let's start with the first question. What does Elohim mean? Elohim is from the simpler Hebrew name El, which means power or might. In Hebrew, El is a common reference for God. You will see that throughout the Old Testament, that if you're reading in the Hebrew language, you'd see that El, that name El. It's a, it's just, it just means God. Whenever you see that, the God who is mighty, the God who is powerful, that's what El means. El, most frequently, as you're reading your Bibles, you would see El used as a compound name for God, like El Shaddai or El Elyon. Also, something else that's kind of interesting that you see this E-L, this common name for God, also associated with other words included, if you will, in other words. For example, you've heard the name Bethel or Bethel. In Hebrew, Bet means house, El means God, so Bethel is the house of God. Even the name Israel. Have you ever thought about that? those last two letters, L? Israel means people of God. Or in Jacob's case, it was wrestler with God. So the name El is a prominent name in the Old Testament. It simply means God, the God who is mighty, the God who is powerful. So how do we get the name Elohim? Not trying to get too technical here, but if you put an I-M on the end of El then that makes it plural, and that's the word Elohim. Elohim is the plural of the name El. It means the strong one or the mighty one. Now, let's think for a moment. Stay with me now. Why would Elohim be listed in Genesis chapter 1 in the plural? In the very first verse. Look at it again. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, plural, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Why is Elohim listed in the plural here? It may be a reference to the Trinity. That God in all of His glory, every member of the Trinity was involved in creation. And we could talk about that. In fact, if you look at verse 2, it talks about the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness of the, of the earth. So, very likely, God is listed as Elohim, plural, because all of the Trinity was involved in creation. So that's very likely, in fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image. Now, who's us? Let us make man in our image. Who is us? It's the Trinity. And in the very next verse, it says, God created man in his own image, singular. So more than likely, this idea of Elohim is pointing to, referring to the Trinity. Also, the plural may be what's called an intensification of purpose. That is, you're trying to 
to amplify who God really is. So you state it in the plural. Here's what I want you to understand. Let's, let's move on. Here's what I want you to understand. God's sovereignty, God's power, God's majesty, God's authority is captured in this word, Elohim. In the opening verses of Scripture, Elohim is directly revealed to us, not just as God, but as Creator God. Look at the text again. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The opening words of the Bible indicate how strong and how powerful this God is. That He created the heavens and the earth. Now when you see the name Elohim, I want you to think in these terms. In summary, I want you to think in these terms. Think of the one who is eternal. Go to the next slide. Think of in these terms, He is eternal and powerful and creator. That's Elohim. In the beginning, God, Elohim, the strong one, the mighty one, the sovereign one, created the heavens and the earth. By the way, that term created is interesting word because it is only used of God in the Bible. I'll say that again. The word created is only used in relation to God in the Bible. Do you know why? It's never used of mankind because mankind does not have the ability to create from nothing. Only God has that ability. For example, anything you have ever made, listen to me, those watching online, anything you've ever made, you use something to make it with. You said, oh, I beg the different pastor. I made a, a cake from scratch just the other day. You used ingredients. Well, pastor, I made a bench. Yeah, but you went to Lowe's and got the lumber. Or you went and cut down a tree. You used something. Or if you painted a beautiful picture, you used canvas and brushes and paints. You see, anybody, any of us, if we make anything on planet earth, we used something to make it with. We like the power, we like the ingenuity, we like the ability to create something from nothing. God, on the other hand, somebody get ready to say amen. God, on the other hand, does not need anything to create everything. God creates from nothing. In fact, there's a Latin word for that called ex nihilo. It means out of nothing. And let, let me just point you to Scripture. That's the best place to convince you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Look what it says. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Remember that. We'll come back to it. By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. The author of Hebrews confirms what Genesis 1 tells us that God didn't need anything to make everything. That He spoke the world into existence. He spoke the world into order. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Let's just think about this. Read a few verses with me. We don't have time to read the whole chapter. But let's read verse 3. And Elohim said, Let there be light. And there was light. He spoke. And it existed. Look at verse 6. And Elohim, the strong and mighty one, said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God, Elohim, made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. Verse 9, And Elohim said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. 
Now, remember what Elohim means. It means the strong one, the mighty one, the creator God. And in verse 1 of the Bible, this verse shows us how powerful Elohim really is. He spoke the world into existence. That's how powerful he is. Now, have you ever just kind of been overwhelmed by the beauty of nature? And just think, how in the world did all of this come to, be, come to be? How in the world did all of this come about? Well, evolutionists think they have the answer. Evolutionists will tell you that nobody plus nothing equals everything. Uh, they try to ultimately explain all of creation, the creation of the world, without any reference to God. You see, so long as you have a world without God, then you're not accountable to Him. But ladies and gentlemen, you cannot explain the heavens and the earth without God. Watches have a watchmaker. Paintings have a painter. Designs have a designer. And creation has a creator. And His name is Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. We've got to get a little bit of a perspective of what that means. 1997, the Hubble telescope took flight to give us a look in, through the powerful lens into places we had never known existed before. Our galaxy is called the Milky Way. This is a picture of our galaxy from the ground. It's a beautiful uh, picture, of course, to be able to see the Milky Way galaxy from the ground. And here is what the galaxy looks like from outer space. It's a beautiful disc-shaped spiral with what scientists say contains anywhere from 100 billion to 400 billion stars. Now, through this mammoth telescope called Hubble, we've discovered a staggering number of other galaxies that are out there beyond our Milky Way. The picture that you're looking at right now is absolutely stunning when you realize what it represents. This came from the NASA website, and I'm quoting from NASA. This is not preacher exaggeration. I'm quoting from NASA. Here's what NASA says. NASA said that nearly every point of light on this picture represents another galaxy. Not another star, but another galaxy. It's estimated by NASA that there are between 100 billion to 200 billion galaxies. And each galaxy has probably at least 100 billion stars in every galaxy. And so every point of light in that picture represents a different galaxy. Now, that's just beyond our ability to comprehend. So let me tell you about our closest neighbor. Our closest neighbor is a galaxy known as Andromeda. Andromeda is roughly 2.5 million light years away. This is a picture, an actual photograph from the Hubble telescope of our closest galaxy that is 2.5 million light years away from us. Now, let me tell you a little bit, remind you that a light year, that light travels at the speed of 186,282 miles per second. Light travels at a rate of 186,282 miles per second, and this nearest galaxy is 2.5 million light years away. So, put that into perspective for you. If you had friends that lived on Andromeda, and you decided to text them, 
And if your text went at the speed of light, 186,282 miles per second, you could receive a reply from them in 5 million years. And your Bible opens up with these words. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens. Every galaxy you can imagine. But not only did Elohim create the heavens, Elohim also created the earth, the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth is a planet that God has created. And David in the Old Testament talks about this very thing. David said in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. David understood that Elohim is the one responsible for the world in which we live. And in this vast universe, Elohim created a beautiful home we call planet Earth. It's a unique planet designed to sustain life. Perfectly designed to sustain life in this vast universe we live in. The beauty of this planet cannot be captured by a camera, but this is one picture trying to capture the beauty of planet Earth. I don't know if you've ever been frustrated. You see a beautiful sunset or you see a beautiful mountain range and you try to take a picture of it and you look at the picture and you look at the reality. It's like you just can't capture it. I mean, this picture is good, but you just can't capture the beauty of everything that you see. The beauty of this planet really can't be captured completely by camera. But here's the reason we call Him Elohim. All God did was say something and it all came into existence. That is the reason Genesis chapter 1 is important. Because all God had to do was speak and the heavens and the earth came into existence. Elohim means the one who is mighty, the one who is powerful, the one who is the creator God. He merely spoke the word and the worlds were formed. He is Elohim. So, that's what the word means, but, or the name means. But the second question is also very important. What does it mean for us? I mean, it's one thing to understand a little bit of Hebrew and understand a little bit more of the Bible. And, but, but what does all this mean for us? How does Elohim intersect with our lives? I've got three things that I want to share with you from Scripture. Not Keith's idea, but three things from Scripture to show you how Elohim, this concept of God who is powerful creator, how that intersects with each of our lives. Here's the first one. Number one, we should never doubt God's ability. Once you understand Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Once you understand the whole first chapter of Genesis 1, you should never doubt God's ability to do anything. You see, sometimes in the Bible, when you read the Scripture, sometimes it seems like God gets a little bit annoyed with people when they begin to doubt His ability. I'll give you a couple of examples of that. Abraham and Sarah doubted that God could give them a child because they were so old. And God replied to them in Genesis 18, 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, I mean think about it. 
Do you think it's really hard for the one who spoke and brought everything into existence to, to bring a baby into the womb of an old woman? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Creating the, a child in the womb of an older woman is nothing compared to creating the worlds out of nothing. And there's another example over in the New Testament. Remember Mary, the Virgin Mary. She wondered how she, as a virgin, could ever give birth to a child. And the angel said simply this, nothing is impossible with God. Whatever situation you're facing, I want to encourage you to remember the name Elohim. The mighty and strong one who can bring something out of nothing. That's Elohim. He doesn't need a whole lot to work with. God is so mighty. God is so powerful. He can bring something out of nothing. Remember this. God is greater than every, any circumstance you find yourself in. He is Elohim. He is greater than any problem you're facing. He is mighty, powerful Elohim. He's bigger than all of us. And He's not limited in any way. Elohim is a great name because He is a great God. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet, he focused on this one day when he wrote these words. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is impossible with you. Jeremiah recognized, God, you, you created everything, so nothing. Listen, if God created everything, nothing is impossible with Him. Nothing within God's will is impossible for God to do. The second way that this intersects, Elohim intersects with our lives is this. We can look to God for all that we need. We can look to Elohim. The one who has the ability to do anything. Who can speak worlds into existence. We can look to God for all that we need. I want to show you this again in Scripture. I want you to go to a, a Scripture that probably is very familiar to you, but maybe you're going to read it with different eyes today. It's in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 40. Keeping in mind all that we've learned this morning about Elohim, I want you to read this verse with me, beginning or this text with me, beginning at verse 25. Isaiah 40, beginning at verse 25. God is speaking in this text and God says, To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. And then he says something very interesting. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name. Watch this. Because of His great power and mighty strength, that's a description of Elohim right there. Because of His great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my Elohim? Have you ever felt like God doesn't know about your situation or maybe He's not concerned about your problem? The people of God were saying that. And God says, let me ask you a question. Why are you complaining? And why are you saying that my way is disregarded? That God's not watching my situation? That my way is disregarded by my Elohim? 
Isaiah was trying to help them understand God knows how we feel and He knows what we fear and He is adequate to meet every need that we have. And so he goes on to say in verse 28, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting Elohim. The creator of the ends of the earth. Don't you know this? Have you not heard this? Do I need to remind you that the Lord is the everlasting Elohim, the creator of the ends of the earth? And because He is the everlasting, mighty, powerful Elohim, He will not grow tired or weary. And His understanding, no one can fathom. Because of who He is, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Watch this. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. See the word renew there. It has the idea in verse 31. They will renew their strength. It literally means to exchange. It's the idea of taking off like old clothes and exchanging them for new clothes. That's the idea behind renew. To exchange. And we exchange our weakness for His power when we understand who He is. That He is Elohim. We can look to God for all that we need. Because He is mighty and powerful and sovereign we can look to God for all that we need. You don't have a need that God can't handle. The third way that this intersects with our lives at Elohim and intersects with our personal lives is this. We can trust God when we don't understand. Elohim is the sovereign God of the universe. Now, I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to tell you. He is the sovereign God of the universe, but... Even though He is the sovereign God of the universe, it's hard for me, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me, my small little mind, to fathom the creation that God brought about, the act of creation. Hard for me to fathom that. Now, listen, I believe it. I believe everything the Bible says. I believe God did it just like He describes it in, in, in the book of Genesis. I don't question it at all. But how? How did God bring everything out of nothing? How did He make life from non-life? Oh, I know He spoke and it happened. But I understand that and I believe that. But it's hard for me to comprehend. It's hard for me to understand fully how God does those things. But don't forget this one simple powerful truth. Alright? I'm, I'm going to give you something to write down. It is a simple powerful truth. But if you will grab hold of this... If you'll write it down, if you'll remember it, it's going to help you to understand your Bible a little bit better. This one simple, powerful truth, and here it is. Write this down. You are the created, and God is the creator. You are the created, and God is the creator. Now, that will help you have perspective, if you can remember that. We can't fully comprehend the work of God, but we can Trust Him. Think about it. If I am the created, my mind is not nearly as large as the Creator. If I am the created, my power is not nearly as big as the Creator. 
You are the created. He is the creator. So yes, it makes sense. There are things I will never comprehend. There are things I will never understand. But we can full, even though we can't fully comprehend and understand, we can still trust Him. Because He is the Creator. He's Elohim. Now, i got two scriptures. I don't, I don't want you just to hang on to what Keith says. I want to point you to scripture. And i got two scriptures I want you to link together. Write them down. Maybe cross-reference them in the column of your Bible. Because I want you to remember that even though you don't understand God sometimes, you can still trust God. Two scriptures that you need to remember. Here's the first one. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, Elohim, the maker of all things. I can't fully explain to you the wind. I believe the wind blows. I just don't understand how and where the path. I, I can't explain that to you. I certainly can't understand or explain to you how a baby is formed in the womb of a mother. And in fact, in the New American Standard, it talks about Instead of, it says a baby or a body, it says how bones are formed in the womb of a mother. And I thought, well, that's interesting. How in the world are bones formed in the womb of a mother? In Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of Elohim. You are the created. He is the creator. You will never fully understand this side of heaven. All that he knows. And all that he does. But there's a second, there is a second scripture that I want you to tie into this. It's in Psalm 91 verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My Elohim. In whom I trust. Put those two scriptures together. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, my Elohim. By the way, that phrase, my, my God, doesn't mean God belongs to you. It means you belong to Him. He is my God. I belong to Him. He is my Elohim. I belong to Him. And because that is true, Because He is my refuge where I can run to in the storms of life. And He is my fortress to protect me from the enemy. He is my God. I belong to Him. He is my Elohim. I can trust Him. Now, I don't know about you, but too often I've I've done this. I've tried to figure out how God should do, how God should fix my problem. and, And I try to tell Him how to do it. You ever done that? You ever tried to give God advice? As some of you have. You've tried to tell the creator of everything. The one who spoke the world into existence. And you tried to give him advice on how he should fix your problem. What he should do or what he shouldn't do. And so as you're praying this week, you might want to resist the urge to be God. Resist the urge to give God advice. And instead, trust him. Simply because he is Elohim. Powerful, mighty, creator 
of everything. And if he really is Elohim, surely I can trust him. If he really is Elohim, surely he deserves my faith. pray about that. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to speak to you for just a moment. Some of you today, I understand that maybe life is really hard for you right now. And it really is hard to comprehend the work of God. But we can trust God when we don't understand Him. Simply because of who He is. He is Elohim. So today, perhaps right where you are right now, maybe you would just pray that prayer that says, God, I trust you. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But I trust you. You are my Elohim. You are my God. You don't belong to me, but I belong to you. I trust you. Maybe with tears in your eyes, you need to declare your faith again. God, your Elohim. Others of you, you can't say that to God because you've never trusted Him initially. That is, there's never been that time, that place where you have declared your faith, your trust in God. And that really is what salvation is about. Salvation is not about you trying to work your way up to certain standards so you'll be in right relationship with God. Salvation is about deciding to trust Him. To trust Him with your life and to trust Him with your eternity. To trust that Jesus died in your place on the cross for your sin. To trust that if you put your faith in Him, He will forgive you of everything you've ever done and give you a new life and an eternal future with Him. And it really is a step of faith. It really is a time to say, God, I trust you. I trust you that you love me and that Jesus died for me. I trust you that you'll change my life if I surrender to you. So God, today, I trust you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me a new person. If you've never made that decision here in the building or those watching online, please make that decision today and please let us know Say, there's no such thing as, as secret discipleship. You will not find that in the Bible. There is no secret discipleship. When you are a follower of Jesus, you need to let somebody know that you've made that decision. So I hope that you'll do that today. And for those here in the building, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to come. And if you need to pray with me, I'll be happy to pray with me. If you want to give your life to Christ, I'm here to help you do that as well. Father, thank you for revealing to us in your word who you are. That you are Lord and you are God. You are Elohim. You spoke and the world came into existence. You are mighty and powerful. You are our creator. You are our God. And we praise you in the name of Jesus.